Leonardo, a great strong centre-back. Welcome to South Dakota Loves Benucci, the football show dedicated to discussing the quirks of the beautiful game. As always, we walk the existential path to discover why the great state of South Dakota loves Benucci quite as much as it does. I'm Jamie, and every week I'll be here with co-hosts Zavi and Wolf. Hey everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of South Dakota Loves Benucci. I'm Jamie, and I'm here with Zavi and Wolf to reflect on the weekend's action. Zavs, Wilf, how are you guys? Yeah, I'm all good. Happy to be here. Yeah, I'm doing all right. How are you, James? That never gets asked, does it? It's always, how are you, Zavi and Wilf? It's never, how are you, Jamie? How are you, Jamie? I'm good, Zavs. Thanks for asking. I mean, I'm very good after the weekend's football. But before I get to boast for a bit, I want to ask you guys how you felt about it. So we had the most boring game of the weekend on Sunday afternoon, where Sheffield United imploded in the kind of way that Sheffield United tend to implode, which is with a lot of hard work, to Arsenal. And I wanted to hear your thoughts on it. That was obviously Sunday at 7pm, that game, wasn't it? In that no one watched it, yeah. <laughs> I Okay, so to really sum up the feeling of this is that I am an Arsenal fan. I watched an hour of it and I was at a friend's house and he was like, Savvy mate, how wedded are you to watching the rest of this game? And I said, I'm just not. And that was that 1-0. I missed two Arsenal goals because of it. And that should be something that's exciting. You know, a 3-0 away win in the Premier League. I don't think Arsenal have done that for at least Since a year. they played Sheffield United last year. <laughs> no, no, no. We lost that game. <laughs> lost 3-0. <laughs> yeah, we lost that game last year. But um, yeah, not one for the highlight reel. Yeah, I thought it was interesting because it showed how good Arsenal can be when it all clicks. How good was the first goal? Well, that's the thing. This is sort of Arteta ball at its highest. And when you watch Arsenal, you kind of get a sense they want to eventually be what City are in as far as the fullbacks and the midfield players go. But, you know, the quality of player. I was having a giggle at um, Man City's bench in the middle of the week because it was like £376 <laughs> million, pounds, including England's like three best players. <laughs> and then I looked at the Leicester bench in comparison and I'd heard of four of them. And it's like, ah, see, that's why you've gone and won there 2-0. That's, that's because really the other eight were in a COVID breach, to be fair. <laughs> a COVID breach, by the way, that's going to cost them Champions League football, probably. That would be very Brendan. I feel like Brendan's brought that on himself. Not to fraud Brendan again, but... I mean, to fraud Brendan, though. Like, you know, we said it here first. We said it here first. On this podcast, for a listener who isn't aware, we have a certain segment where we have a fraud of the week and we gave it to Brendan Rogers just after he'd <laughs> dismantled... Was it who was it? They beat five nil. Um, it was it was Sheffield United. It was probably Sheffield, Sheffield United. Yeah, just won a game five nil, and then they beat United in the FA Cup. Like immediately after, we called him a fraud. But I think we, you know, I I deep down knew that we were right. I mean, anyway, what you were saying about Arteta ball, Jamie. I just find it really interesting that now, whenever there's a new manager who appears, who has like in air quotes ideas. And, like, every goal that's scored under that manager that's quite good is, like, immediately, like, you know, manager's name, then ball. (laughs) I think, Will, you've been sceptical of Arteta for a long time. And when I saw that goal, I was like, yeah, that was really good. But, like, is it prime Arteta ball or is it just that's just quite nice football and sometimes that happens when you've got a bunch of really good players. But also your point, Jamie, being like, oh, they're going for the Man City. Isn't every team in the league ostensibly going for a Man City and that they want to be the best team in the league? I think most teams would quite like to be Man City. <laughs> yeah, I think there's very few teams that wouldn't mind having Stones and Diaz on the bench for centre-halves. With that said, though, Arteta really is going to be a Man City. If you look at like where the fullbacks go... Oh, actually, speaking of, just to interrupt myself, 
Kieran Tierney. What a big miss, Savs. Yeah, that's a problem. Yep. <laughs> I'm not, not much to elaborate over that. That's an issue. So it's Cedric and Maitland-Niles is obviously at West Brom. Xhaka played at left-back against Sheffield United yesterday. And Ainsley Maitland-Niles, who was phenomenal against Chelsea a couple of weeks ago, is on loan at West Brom. Do you remember Xhaka playing left centre-half in a three against Crystal Palace and everyone waiting for the penalty, for the foul against Zaha? And we had to wait 93 and a half minutes for it. But as soon as it happened, you're like, yep, there it is. I remember saying that to you, Jamie. I remember saying, like, it's really interesting. I've watched, it was about the 85th, 80th minute or something like that. And Xhaka was playing, Xhaka was, he was playing left back in a four, I think, but it's still wrong. And Zaha hadn't been isolated with him once. And you were just like, it's obviously happening. It's obviously happening. When's it happening? It's just a matter of when. And it was really odd that game. It was a while ago, but it's just like, it seems really interesting to me that sometimes football is so simple. Just obviously put Zaha one-on-one with Xhaka in that situation. Immediate penalty, it's 2-2. Maybe it's more complicated than that. I don't know. But like for games like that, I was like, football is very simple. Just do that. Yeah, the other example of it being incredibly simple this week was give the ball to St. Maximan for Newcastle United. And it raises an interesting question because Steve Bruce brought off the bench Callum Wilson and St. Maximan, his two best players, and they won the game. So is it brilliant management or is it like you could just try starting with them? I think that kind of sums up Bruce's managerial career in a nutshell, being that like, was this a good idea or should you have just done the good idea in the first place? That seems to be most of his kind of tactical thinking. Moving on slightly, Wilf, Chelsea had quite a good time of it at Crystal Palace, which is a little bit like Sheffield United, apart from they're quite good. Quite a tricky place to have a good time of it. Do you feel like all of the West Bromwich Albion Blues are out of the system? Yeah, I think that was such a weird game. But also so obviously coming as well. And obviously it's going to be against the worst team in the league, bar Sheffield United. You know, the only team almost more profligate in front of goal. That was a game where it was a case of just Callum Robinson scores the three goals he's going to score for the rest of his career. And they're all bangers and, you you know, you can't do anything about it. Whereas Crystal Palace just aren't going to have that. You know, it's April. Crystal Palace don't have those games in April. They have them in September. As you said there, the finishes in that game, they're all emphatic. They're all excellent. They're laughably good. It made me laugh how good the goals were. I was like, how is this happening? And apparently, Big Sam, he said after the game, he got asked, how good were some of those goals? And he was like, yeah, I kind of wish that we could have spread them out over multiple games. (laughs) But I think that definitely is. I mean, it is funny, but it's also definitely true. Like, they wasted all their goals. That was like a backlog of all their goals from, like, probably December. And they've used them all up in one game. It's so little too late. There is some element, too, of... We speak about this game quite a lot on the podcast. When Sunderland went to Stamford Bridge and just... Three unbelievable finishes won them the game 3-0. Oh yeah, Nedema Nua. The Nedema Nua run from the back, which Kurt Zuma had a decent go at matching against Ajax last year. For oh, Kurt Zuma's great at that. He has like one of those every five games, I would say. I like the idea of West Brom scoring five at Chelsea and the manager has been quite cross about it. I read an interesting thing about that. You know, Richard Jolly, he's, got, he's the guy who comes up with those ridiculous stats on Twitter. And he, he wrote a thing about it. You, you really do have to watch every game. Wilf, you were saying, oh, yeah, there's, you know, this sort of game was coming. But I don't think any 
normal football fan is looking at Chelsea West Brom Chelsea who are undefeated under their new manager West Brom who basically don't score any goals and are probably going to get relegated and West Brom winning 5-2 I don't think anyone's seeing that and I think games like that in comparison to Sheffield United Arsenal which was regardless of the score boring didn't matter but like that's the sort of game that was like yeah that's a good advert for the Premier League yeah the Premier League has so many good adverts in a way that other leagues don't quite is that only true because someone says it every week, though? Are we not just fulfilling some sort of, like, continuum? I don't know if there is a good advert every week. I like, don't think I there was a like... good advert this week. <laughs> I'll put it that way. Yeah, cer- certainly not. Certainly not. Given the fact that you asked me about the Crystal Palace game and I just spoke about the West Brom game. So the only other thing I want to pick up on the weekend, before we uh, delve into League One just very briefly, is Jose Mourinho's comments, or rather Solskjaer's comments, after the Tottenham game. So just to clarify... Marcus Rashford did quite a lot of good work this year when it came to feeding hungry kids. He probably didn't need his manager saying, if my kid dives, he's not being fed for three days. It's not a great look. He's got that weird thing in him, though, Solskjaer. He has, like, a weird quote. Because I think everyone kind of thinks of him as, like, oh, he's kind of a nice guy, nice bloke. But he has that weird... I think it's almost weird because it feels, like, affected as well. It feels like an affectation. He's taken, like, it's like, right, I'm going to be managerial now. And that means being a bit of a dick. That's genuinely what I think is going on with him. Because, obviously, he's known as the baby-faced assassin. He's the nice guy. He's the guy who's essentially, when you look at the football that they play... It's kind of similar to what Mourinho was doing at Man United, but like if they lose, he'll just put his arm around a player rather than trash them in the media. So he's got this nice guy persona, and obviously he came up through Ferguson, and Ferguson would go out and say all these ridiculous things, like his spat with David Beckham and all of that. And did you hear the quote that Solskjaer said when he went to go and scout a player? And then he said he left because he saw the player had a Mohican. And you're like, that's stupid. That's a dumb thing to say. Because anyone who's really, really good is probably someone who's really flamboyant and is attention-seeking enough to get a Mohican. I feel like Solskjaer wants to be a dinosaur. Like, no one else wants to be a... Like, Arteta definitely doesn't want to be a dinosaur. I don't think even Lampard wants to be a dinosaur. But Solskjaer wants... He wants that kind of Brucey dinosaur stalwart. Yeah. No one else is aspiring for that. But he's there going like, well, I've got this reputation as this nice guy. Maybe if I just say something slightly Roy Keenish, And that's probably because he came through, like... You know, he used to play football with Roy Keane, played football under Alex Ferguson, all of these people who'd, you know, sit there and when you see Paul Pogba's got new hair, would kind of sit with Graham Souness and go, yeah, yeah, you do have a point. His head has changed again. I think it's also his big spirit of 99 energy. I think that's where it comes from, a lot of it, I think, is that, like, we were at the precipice of this huge moment and it was all because of this. So no dicking around. <laughs> Speaking of dinosaurs, Jamie, how are Wimbledon doing? Well, I'm glad you asked. Wimbledon came off the back of two defeats in a row, two 1-0 defeats against Plymouth. And then, you know, sort of towards the end of the season in League One, you get these lower mid-table clubs who do long away trips and just don't want to be there. So we'd Fleetwood, who are lower mid-table, not going down, not going up. The last thing they want really is a trip to a fired-up London-based side trying to stay up. So they proceeded to play like they didn't want to be there, which was enough to win the game 1-0, <laughs> uh, which was an absolute disaster. <laughs> so then we responded by going to Accrington, and we've got a shocking record at Accrington. Accrington Stanley is the venue of my last away trip before things shut down. It was a 17-hour round date because I took a bus up there and the bus back. Where is Accrington Stanley? I don't know the geography of League One. 
ah, it's just north of Preston. Oh, okay. So you get to Preston and you're like, oh, that's exciting. Will, have you ever got to Preston on the bus and gone, this is exciting? I, I wish I had. I feel like 70% of the man that, <laughs> that Jamie is for having such profound thoughts outside Preston. Once you've got to Preston, Jamie, what happens? Well, you get to Preston and you're like, oh, I wonder if Alex Neal's knocking about. That's what everyone who's been to Preston thinks, by the way. To which the answer is like, yeah, I bet he is. And then you think, God, he was good at Norwich. And then you think, didn't Wes Houlihan have a one-on-one at Old Trafford that they're here And then you go, uh, um, yes, the Labour Party. What, what, what was it we were talking about? <laughs> so, anyway, the point being, Accrington is a terrible venue for Wimbledon. Not a happy hunting ground. Tough place to go. It is a very tough place to go. We won there once in the playoff semi-final. Or rather, we drew there after extra time, which was enough to see us through to the final when we got promoted in 2015. But otherwise, it's been a tough place to go. And they're interesting because they're mid-table and doing quite well. They're 11. But they lost 7-0 to Peterborough two weeks ago, but then responded with two very good results against Oxford and Shelton. So we went up there thinking, God, I mean, a point is probably not enough, but it's all we can hope for. You then go a goal down from a corner kick. And you think, oh, yes, this is, this is how League Two tastes, incoming League Two. And then true to form, we just go and score five. Whoa! As many as five? As many as five. It's the first time, to my knowledge, and Wimbledon listeners might think I'm forgetting something here. We've got a lot of passionate ones, to be fair, so I'm sure they'll put you up on it if you're wrong. Yeah, I don't think we've scored five as a league team away from home before. We had a week a few years ago where we played Berry twice in a week, Tuesday in the league and Saturday in the cup, and beat them 5-0 and 5-0 each time. And there was an interview someone did with someone who had been to both. <laughs> And they only brought, like, I don't know, like, 89 fans down for the league game on the Tuesday. It was like a rearranged league game in winter. And this lad had gone to both. <laughs> He'd been to South London twice in two days. Twice in four days from uh, Greater Manchester to see an aggregate score of 10-0. <laughs> now anyway, that's we... a story to tell your grandkids. <laughs> well, in any case, we went up there and won 5-1. And we're now outside the relegation zone by a point with the game in hand. Ah. The bad news is the game in hand is Ipswich. You know, they're always going to be a difficult game for us. So, yeah, so uh, Wimbledon... Yeah. Did, I think the uh, the first time we scored five as a league team away from home. Do you feel, in a similar vein to Big Sam, that you'd rather have won that game 2-1 and then maybe got a couple of extra 1-1 draws? <laughs> like, let's say the Fleetwood result. Turn a 0-1 into a 1-1. With the, <laughs> see, that's the thing, is that, like, really, when you're thinking about it logically, like, yeah, obviously, but also, like, you know, who's really that excited about... Like, you know, you need one five one a season. You need something to go like, yeah, I'll go and rewatch that. Well, yeah, again. you know, so I would rather have taken a 2-1 and spread the goals out. <laughs> but the other reason for it is because Saturday against Accrington is the first game for ages I've missed on iFollow, which is the streaming service, which means I'm now not allowed to watch us again until we lose. And I quite like watching us. So we have a massive game on Tuesday night. And I'm not allowed to watch it because the first one I missed, we won 5-1. Who are you playing in the Champions League, Jamie? I'm, I'm confused. Oh, uh, we got Juventus away from home. Difficult side. Dybala's coming back. Big in. big game for this podcast. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> mm-hmm. Very big game. Very big game. Well, you know, I've been shopping around a bit because I've been after, and this is going to tie in rather well to the premise of the pod. I've been shopping around for a Jack Grealish shirt, but a Notts County one because he was on loan there. Ah, so I'm going to say Ireland under 21, so that would have been a good bit. Yeah, that is good. But it doesn't work quite as well because, of course, he was on loan at Notts County, who are the reason why Juve play in black and white. So I'm on all of these memorabilia pages for Notts County shirts. And the ones that people keep on wanting is when Juve moved into their new ground, they played Notts County in a friendly to open the thing. And I wonder now, I'm thinking about it, whether Bonucci 
and Jack Grealish would have had a run in had Grealish stuck around for just a couple of years longer. Those sorts of shirts are fun. The ones where like, oh, it's a big player who used to play for this club, but you sort of forgot that it happened. Yeah, yeah. It's a whole world of fun. It's an interesting conversation, actually. Who are the coolest shirts to have? Jack Grealish in Notts County is right up there. I quite like the idea of Carlito for Carlos Tevez. It's not as cool because that's like that's like post Man United and Man City, isn't it? You want the one that like of them early, like a Neymar Santos shirt. Oh, I think that verges on uncool, though. I would. Say. I mean, that one's too much. That one's yeah. too much. I think probably, but it's something like. Let me think of like mm, Olivier Giroud Montpellier. That yeah, would be yeah. Cool See, that's shirt. that's like yeah. like Maru and Shamak Bordeaux. <laughs> Yeah, Hazard, Hazard Lille shirt. But I think the Shemak yeah. one's actually way better. I, I didn't need to say Hazard Lille. Tell me you guys are both brainstorming about where Squilacci came from. I Oh no, Squilacci played in a Champions League final, mate, for Monaco. <laughs> he played in Champions League I think he did final. at least, yeah. No, no, there's a really funny, like, Gal Jive played for them. Uh, Petrice Evra as well. Adebayor was on the bench. Like, that Monaco side is kind of bonkers. Oh, actually, that's a really cool shirt. Nemanja Vidic, Red Star Belgrade. Ooh. Ooh. I think a Drogba Marseille shirt is pretty cool. I think slightly overdone, though. It is cool. Maybe a, like, Drogba Mets shirt, then. Or a Ribery Mets shirt. That'd be good. Yeah, I was thinking, I do want to get this sort of oversized Jack Grealish 2012-13 Notts County shirt. But I'll turn up to the park wearing it. And everyone will be like, oh, that's quite a cool kit. He must be really good. And stand there knocking the ball out of play for an hour and a half. With Grealish, like, 23 on your back. The man's a fraud, blood. I've been sitting there for months, blood. So it's that time of the week again where we lock up the frauds. I know Zavi's got a pretty cutting-edge fraud It's pitch. a fairly niche one, Will. It's a yeah. fairly niche one. Take it away. So over the weekend, I did some commentary work for Leighton Orient women's football team, and they played in the FA Cup against Chichester and Chelsea ladies. And it was an interesting game of football but I was expecting more from Chichester. So they're in the division above. They won the game 2-1, but they really, they were played off the park by the gals in red. So it was a very disappointing day for them. I had done a bit of research on the Chichester players and guys, I was expecting a lot from this girl called Jane Yates. And she was up front. She'd scored seven and eight. I watched the full game, nothing. One fairly good pass, which led to a goal. But, but... So, so wait, she got an assist? <laughs> no, 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 no. A pre-assist. Oh, it's the pre-assist. The, the fashionable pre-assist, I would yeah. say. Queen of the pre-assist. She's yeah. The, yeah, she's the female Alex Kleb. Anyway, I'm going to say she was fairly disappointing. And I have decided, because I'm still quite annoyed that Orion didn't go through, that it's all her fault. And she's my fraud. However, whilst we're on this... I'd say he's someone who wasn't a fraud in this game. And this was the uh, Chichester captain. She was very, very good. And her name was hilariously Megan Fox. And uh, (laughs) here's a few references that I wrote down, which I thought I might mention in commentary that I didn't end up mentioning. The only thing I mentioned (laughs) was that Megan Fox is very capable of Hollywood passes. Nobody (laughs) noticed that I did. Anyway, I wrote down... Looks like Megan Fox is in Optimus Prime condition. (laughs) She ate up ground there like she ate up all those men in Jennifer's body. That's not even a reference, Johnny. That's just like saying the thing. (laughs) (laughs) 
For it to be a reference, there needs to be something to work out. Yeah. It can't be like, you know, like in the movie, because she's also an actor. Yeah. And then she shares a name with a, a footballer. <laughs> I tell you what, she's transformed this game. Oh my gosh, yeah. See, that, I didn't even have that one down. Wilf, that's far too clever. She looks as confused as she did when she had to replace Zoe Deschanel in New Girl. I also, this, this, is the, this is one of my favorite. Megan Fox has played really well. So that's like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle theme. And she was in that movie. She was in the was live really? action one. Yeah, the live action one. It was very bad, Jamie. She's been buzzing about like her good friend Bumblebee. <laughs> <laughs> that's the best one. No, 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 wait. It's not, it's not. It's like she turned into a lorry there. The power with which she went into that collision. This, I hope, is your favourite. She's not just been on it today. She's been Megatron it. <laughs> no, 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 no. What I think I've done with those references is probably submit myself for fraud jail. Because, you yeah, know, Jane Yates, was, case. <laughs> she was actually quite a good player. I was just quite annoyed with her for, like, not being as good as I thought she was going to be. Yeah, those are my two options, guys. Me or Jane Yates. Bearing in mind, I am right here, so I would be offended. Well, Jane, you're in good company. You've been placed with a whole bunch of internationals and Premier League players. I didn't watch the game, so I don't know how disappointing you were. But seven and eight is very good. She's got seven and nine now. Seven and nine. Oh, well, then chuck her in jail. Exactly. And she's got a hat-trick. One of the teams, she scored three of them against uh, Hounslow, who were very bad. Anyway, yeah, Wilf, beat that. Yeah, well, I'll try. I'll raise you one singular West Ham. That's my pitch this week. Now, hear me out. I know we were talking about, you know, Moisey, manager of the year. But I think their fraudulence this week comes on the fact that they keep on trying to West Ham it up. They keep on trying to West Ham this Champions League qualification campaign, and they just can't do it. They're incapable of being the West Ham we all know and love, even when they're desperately trying to throw it away. You know, they've kicked Declan Rice's hamstring into oblivion for the next month. They're desperately trying to get Lingard injured, and yet they can't. They just, they're hanging on to these points for dear life. And I think it's absolutely fraudulent. No, I agree. It's sort of, whenever Spurs are quite good, you're like, hang on, something has gone on here. When's it going wrong? I like the detail of Antonio also being out. It's a really valent attempt from them. <laughs> and it's like Leicester. This is the big game. Surely this was only going one way. I wanted to read in The Athletic this morning, absence of key players show West Ham run out of steam or something. Not Moy's resurrection, and you have to read the phrase, puts his time at Sunderland to bed about 83 times. That's a bad outcome for everyone involved. <laughs> I think it's a pretty strong case. But I wanted to ask you, moving forward if you think they will return to the West Ham way. They are going out of their way, as you said, Will. They're going out of their way to West Ham it up. They're going to do it, presumably. You've got to assume. They keep going 3-0 up and winning 3-2, and you've got to assume that at some point they'll go 2-0 up and lose 4-2, and that will just happen to them twice in a row. Have they got West Brom yet? I feel like West Brom are going to do them. <laughs> Have they got West Brom in the run-in? <laughs> let, let me check. <laughs> I think they're trying very, very hard to throw away three goal leads, aren't they? Uh-huh. They've only done it once. They've only pulled no, it off once. No, you know what it is? You know what it is? It's it's Newcastle away next oh, week. Oh, yeah. That is that is it. That is signposted. Newcastle beat them on the opening day as well. Quite convincingly, 2-0. Oh, West Ham. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
They've got Newcastle away, and then they've got Chelsea at home, who I just think that's like a 2-2 draw. And then I think they're losing to Newcastle, drawing with us, and then losing Burnley away. And, like, that's it. That's got to be the trajectory. If they aren't to be frauds for the rest of the season, that's what they've got to do. It's a Chris Wood masterclass, isn't it? (laughs) Right, well, decision time. Yeah, it's your decision, Jamie. Go on. Zavs, I hope you like talking to William about average TV shows. Because, <laughs> like, that is my actual idea of hell. Like, actually having to chat with... I don't know what we talk about. I'd probably just be like, pass it to Sackham or... You no, no, you're obviously saying, what's Rob Holding like? <laughs> Old Big Horn? Yeah, probably. Yeah, so, um, Zavs, sorry, mate. You're, you're, joining, you're joining the gang. So it's it's not Jane Yates? No, she's, Jane's got a, re- a reprieve. She's got a reprieve because I then followed it up with a bunch of fucking <laughs> Fox jokes. The one, the one that got you in jail, I think, was she's uh, transformed this performance. That was Wilf. Oh, uh, well, Wilf, you've done Xavier in there. That was what the only that one that I didn't contribute. <laughs> Hold on. What a huge twist. <laughs> Have I just been chucked in jail unwittingly? Oh, it's, it's huge. You didn't even realise you were an option. Didn't even know it. Yeah, you can't take your eyes off this pod, honestly. Nothing more. <laughs> Benucci! For that time, they did work it nicely. Right, yeah, so Benucci time, lads. So we are recording this, lovely listeners, on the uh, 12th of April. And it's around about, I had a check, around about the same time of day that Leonardo Benucci was born. Okay? Okay, fast forward... <laughs> What the hell is this? Fast forward. Okay. It's so strange. In 19 days time exactly, gents, it's Leonardo Bonucci's birth to the minute, pretty much. It's around about this time. It's about 5.45. Have you got two sources on that or just the one? I have less than one. um, (laughs) Less less than one. It is his birthday on the 1st of May, though, so it's 19 days, pretty much. There are about and fitting for his number exactly well this is the point right okay what number does benucci wear 19 19. (laughs) interesting okay maybe just a coincidence how old was benucci when he made his senior debut for inter i'm gonna guess 19 19 guys 19 years old not that weird that's when most footballers start getting into the team you've missed a chance as alves to go 22 That would be lying, Jamie. That would be lying. And I'm just not about that sort of behaviour. Maybe not that weird. That's when footballers start playing first-team football. Maybe it's not that weird. Okay. Well, Benucci's wife, Martina Machari. When was she born? The 19th of November. I thought you were going to say she is 19. (laughs) (laughs) The 19th of November. Okay, it's getting a bit weird. But oh, what was the date of the last Benucci contract extension? The same day, November the 19th, in guess what? 2019. Okay, okay. It's getting a bit out of hand here. What year was Benucci born in? Only 1987. (laughs) This is getting ridiculous. So I had a look at things that are famously to do with 19. Okay. And the first thing I saw was that Adele has an album called 19. Okay. All right. Yeah. Adele has an album called 19 where she was 19 years old and that was the thing. What movie did Adele sing the theme song to? James Bond. Skyfall. James Bond. Exactly, Jamie. You're there. You're with me. Nothing gets past you. Okay. The other thing about 19, it's the atomic number. <laughs> <laughs> 
for potassium. Oh no! And what is there loads of potassium in? Only bloody bananas. Anyway, what's the thing about bananas? What are bananas most famous for? Yep, being in Mario Kart. Yeah, you guys are on the same wavelength as me. And who's the best character in Mario Kart? Right answers only. Yeah, it's Yoshi. Anyway, what's the thing that Yoshi proves most? It's dinosaurs being real. So if you have a crossover, and this is where it comes together... What movie most proves that dinosaurs are real? It's Jurassic Park. Adele sang the theme song for Skyfall, the James Bond film. Sam Neill, who was in Jurassic Park, auditioned <laughs> auditioned to be James Bond in the 90s. And I'm just saying here now, I think Benushi is behind some kind of thing to do with dinosaurs. That's he, sorry, my take. just to clarify, <laughs> today's roughly 19 days off when he was born, but we weren't even necessarily going to record today. And it's not even necessarily 19 days but off. But we did, Jamie, didn't we? <laughs> <laughs> and the actor auditioned. Yes. Well, I mean, I've got to tell you, mate, like, you've really pulled something together there. I have no idea what Leonardo would make of that. Well, he's too busy trying to cover up the dinosaurs. It started off really dumb and i was quite into it and it sort of descended again i mean i have to admit i was shaking my head throughout but through sheer jealousy to be honest i mean that is one hell of a journey i've just been taken on so that's the theory for this week let me know what you guys think well i'm interested yeah like if we start getting hit by lawsuits from uh the Benucci clan because we're onto something then we'll know Mm-hmm. It was interesting that he Indeed. signed a contract on his wife's birthday. Interesting, isn't it? So making it all about him, isn't it? It's making it about the dinosaurs, mate. That's what it's <laughs> making it about. Well, and, and probably there's some Solskjaer vendetta clearly tied up in this as well. <laughs> Sam Neill right now is terrified. Yeah. He's like sat there going like, oh my God, they're on to us. <laughs> Solskjaer, Bruce and Neil. He's coming for them all. It's like Arya in Game of Thrones, which is Benucci with bad football managers. Benucci's got a list. I think that is a brilliant place to end. So thank you everyone for listening to this week's episode of South Dakota Loves Benucci. And thank you, Will, thank you, Zavi, for your contribution today. And as always, we'll see you next week. Hey, Leonardo, a great strong centre-back. 